prop today. Room, room. <clears throat> now the grandsons will go room, room. The girls don't make noise normally. <clears throat> Even yet today. <clears throat> that Corvette I got, I got five more horsepower when you open up the exhaust for the noise. Isn't that a lot, you know? Room, room. <clears throat> Amen. Good morning. I didn't know how many were going to make it out today with this cold weather. I'm impressed. Thank you, Pastor and Sharon, for the privilege to speak again. Uh, Jeannie's in the back with the children. She heard it yesterday. And my sisters flew in from Phoenix. I, I don't know. I think she'll be glad when she flies back Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Amen. Uh, I want to explain one thing. As I go through this message today, I'll be referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides right in here, in each and every one of us. And then I'll be referring to our intellect, our mind. And it's a street, two-way street going back and forth. Some things we think up here and we're trying to get it into our spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and it's, he's trying to get it up to here. It, it was kind of neat. Uh, Pastor mentioned, he says, I hope I didn't use too much of your message today with what he preached. Uh, the word was perfect, was right on uh, this morning, uh, and you'll see why as we go through the message. That's the Holy Spirit. It all ties together. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Yes. Amen. Uh, prosperity, financial independence. For this to happen, we need to honor God first and give God all the glory and honor. We have to make sure that we don't let the cares of this world enter in. And we need to put God first. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with all your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Yes. We need to honor the Lord and then he will honor us. As you've heard over the last couple weeks, we've been married 43 years and been ministering for 41 years. I've had two unwritten goals. Oh, ye of little faith. What have we preached on? What have I preached on? I have, I have two unwritten goals. One is Jeannie and I graduated from Michigan State in 1977, and so we get the MSU alumni magazine. And as I flip through that magazine, I get to the back and it lists the donors that have been giving to Michigan State University. And yes, we give a little bit to Michigan State University, but I've always wanted to be a big donor into God's kingdom. And you realize that with the messages that I present to you. The neat thing about it is it's happening. I didn't realize it until I cleaned out the attic I cleaned out all kinds of records. I cleaned out records clear back to when the church was organized. I filled a pickup full. I think our house raised an inch. <laughs> the neat thing in that is I ran across where, how much income we had and how much we had been giving 30 years ago. I go, wow, that's kind of neat. I wonder what's happening now. So I was able to go back 10 years. I lacked the middle, 
But, you know, you can go on averages and like that. And it was really neat to see what we've been able to do over our lifetime. And I believe this group right over here will be able to give over a million dollars apiece in their lifetime. I believe it. And I'm going to show you how to do it today in this message. Okay? Awesome. Amen. That was one unwritten goal. The other one that I've actually mentioned two weeks ago was there are business people that are financially well enough off that they're able to give 90% and live on 10%. Jeannie and I aren't there, but we're a third of the way there. And I believe in our lifetime we will be able to get there, as well as you folks in this room too. That's God to do that. Yeah. Okay, one observation that Jeannie and I have seen over the years is right up here. <clears throat> Not this year, this is the next one. But net worth. What I've seen, and I've ministered on net worth and the return on equity and assets and all of that here over the years. But if you have a net worth, that means money. If you paid all your debts, that's how much money you got left. That's what net worth is. But say you have $10,000 of net worth. What we have seen is that you most likely have given over $1,000 as you accumulated that $10,000. So in essence, the world says, why did you, the world says you're stupid. You could have had $11,000 is what the world says. But in reality, the Bible tells us that if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, we're not believing in what the scriptures tell us, that there's holes in the bags and there's little foxes. And what we see is the world ends up with 9,000, the, the Christian ends up with 11,000. That's not a lot on $10,000 of net worth. But take it to a million, and then you start to see what happens. It's 1.1 million for the Christian that's given because of the prosperity that God and the world ends up with 900,000. Yes. At that point, the world doesn't like you. I might mention it more toward the end. Just an example that Jeannie and I have observed over the years. God multiplies it back to us. The amount given is the amount we're ahead, not behind. Awesome. Amen. Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you merit with all, it shall be measured to you again. You have to start believing God. You have to start where you're at. You might start out small, but then you have, we're all given that measure of faith, but it's up to us to grow it. And that's the example of the tractors that you see up here. This is over my lifetime. This is what I started out with. Actually, it should be red, but I didn't have the red one. The older people will understand the international H's and M's. That's what I started out with with my grandfather. And I thank my grandfather that he was willing to take time to say, come on, Mark, we've got to go feed the turkeys. We've got to go feed the chickens. But you start to learn how to operate it, let alone how to, how to start to believe where you're at. 
The next tractor was the blue one. We used to have blue tractors, and you start to believe for those. Right. And your faith starts growing. And you can see over my life the tractors. It's a business that we're running. Most of the tractors are bought three to five years old because it saves hundreds of thousands of dollars. In the farm today, we're believing for this tractor right here will be the next tractor in the next combine. Any idea what this costs? You're up there. It's over half a million dollars when you put the two heads on it. This one here is over a half a million dollars. So in two pieces of equipment, there's a million dollars. You can't start to believe for this if you haven't started to believe for that. You start small, and then it increases because your faith grows, it tells us. Amen. Okay, now we come to the next example right here. This is how it's going to be done. You increase your giving 10% every year. Jeannie and I have been doing that for I don't know how many years. I will tell you this. It seems impossible every single year. It doesn't get easier. If anything, it gets harder. Because as the numbers get bigger, (laughs) it was a real difficult decision for me this year. Jeannie and I are starting to semi-retire. We're starting to move more of the farm to Ben. He's been running the farm, but to operate more of it as I start to slow down. So the point is this. Am I going to increase my giving this year 10% or not? I'm not going to have near the income that I've had. The point is this. Am I looking to God or am I looking to my job or to my business? It wasn't easy, but I said, Lord, I'll keep taking the step of faith. I'll do it. I'm believing in witty ideas, witty inventions, new opportunities. The interesting thing is the Holy Spirit, here it is, the Holy Spirit up to here said, well, you remember what you did back in college? I said, "Uh, yeah, I remember. I worked with three professors in the marketing, would go out and actually present to the farmers. I've used some of it, but the Holy Spirit's telling me to look into that more as I start to slow down on the farm. Okay, so now we come to this. Say you're giving $10 a week. Thank you back there for getting that on the screen. Well, they can't see that screen. Can you guys see this or not? Okay. That's what I was told two weeks ago, that you couldn't see it in this corner. Let me explain it, and then I'm going to turn it so you can see it. (laughs) You start with $10 a week for the first year. The next year, you go to $11 a week. The next year, you go to $12. This is increasing at 10% every year. The interesting thing is, in nine years, it's more than doubled. You're up to $21.44 a week in your giving as you've believed God over that nine years. Now, the interesting thing on this is, say you put a zero behind that. 
Say you're given $100 a week, and look, look what you have when you get down here. The numbers really start to take off. Right. And that's no different than in um, your retirement, your IRAs, your 403Bs and everything. Last year, everybody was elated and excited about it. This year, you've lost anywhere from 5 to 20% in it. I'll give you something else. I want the young people to see this, though, because you've got to get that because, like I say, you'll be able to give over a million dollars in your lifetime into the kingdom if you put that principle to work. Yeah. And you say, okay, how's that going to work? How's that going to happen? Okay, now you're up here instead of here. Right. Okay. First of all, God's not limited. You could, you're believing for an increase in pay. You're believing for bonuses. I had somebody come up and say they, gave, they got a bonus the other day. Amen. Amen. Could believe for another job. Financial increases. It's increasing your faith. Blessings, you're supposed to be praying for your employer. Pray for your employer that he is being blessed, he is being prosperous, and then it flows down to the employees. Inheritance. Remember the story a couple years ago I told about the gold nugget in the farm in Virginia? What were they using that gold nugget for? I mean, this is a big nugget. This is not a little one. They were holding the barn doors open with this gold nugget. But they didn't know it was a gold nugget until the jeweler came along and said, hey, can I buy that from you? Things like that. I shared a couple years ago about the oil lease that I had. I had no idea, but that's money that's coming in. God's working all the time. He's not limited. Witty inventions, witty ideas, promotions. And again, remember, God is not limited. I'm using Isaiah 45.3, Pastor, but it was close. (laughs) I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord. The Lord loves it when he can bless you. Okay. So, I mentioned the IRAs, the 403Bs, and the retirement and the financials. What does the world say about those to you? Have you ever read the fine print normally at the end and it's smaller? Let me read you one. This is what the world says. Past results are not necessarily indicative of future results. The information and data in this report were obtained from sources considered reliable. Their accuracy or completeness is not guaranteed. (laughs) Pretty good, huh? I I think a lawyer wrote that. (laughs) We're going to have fun today. The point is, God doesn't have a disclaimer. He doesn't need one. He fulfills all of his promises. Amen? Amen. Okay. As I mentioned, this is trying to get you motivated in how to increase your prosperity. And I'm going to read from three different ministries 
that the Lord has spoken to, the, to them of how to believe God for the increase in their finances. The first one is Gary Cassie. This is a book that I came across two years ago. Yes, he is a, from Ohio, and yes, he is a Buckeye, but he's a good nut, not a bad nut. So, but anyway, it really, I un, I've heard the principles my whole life, but with Gary, he was able to take those principles and I was able to understand them to start to use them more. Uh, Gary and Drenda, I believe, went to Rama. They went out into the workplace after that. Nine years, they were flat broke. They couldn't go to the bank. That was exhausted. They, all their credit cards were exhausted. They rented a house where the weeds would grow through the windowsills because of the, it was rotting out. The vehicles were terrible, rusting out. Every time he called his dad, his dad said, how much money you need this time? How would you like that, to have your dad have to say that to you when you called him? It was bad. One afternoon, he fell across the bed, and he cries out to the Lord. He said, Lord, you got to help me. Now, this is, these are two people that are Christians. They, they minister in the church. They tithe. They speak in tongues. And here they are in desperate need. Right. He cries out to God, you got to help me. And the Lord says to him, remember, from here to here, you're not using my kingdom principles. Right. He says, uh, we give, we tithe. You're not using my principles. And this is what the Lord told him. First of all, you have to be specific in what you are believing for. You can't be wishy-washy. You've got to be specific. Number two, sow the amount the Holy Spirit tells you to sow. Here we are again, from here to here. You're going to do it? And into the ministry that the Holy Spirit tells you. Sounds kind of like seed time and harvest, doesn't it? Yeah. That I've ministered a lot on and other ministers. If I plant corn, I'm going to get corn. Right. So you've got to sow the seed, but you've got to plant it into good ground. Yeah. That's where the 30, 40, and 60-fold return comes in. And then you have to give that in faith. What Gary found is he'd been believing over the years he's a deer hunter for the deer. And he got to the point he'd write the check and he'd do it. And about the fifth year, he did it. And he went out and he didn't get the deer. Or all five years before, he'd gotten it exactly. Just unbelievable. But within, I think, 45 minutes every time. And he goes, okay, something's different. Something's wrong. God's not wrong. He doesn't change. Okay, what's wrong, Lord? <laughs> he was starting to sow the seed as if it was a bill. And when you start to just throw the seed as if it's a bill that needs to be paid, you're not in faith, and it will not work. Very simple, but yet we don't understand it completely. The next person is John Avancini. He's a minister in Corpus Christi, Texas. He's in his 80s. But in reading his book, and this will take a few minutes, but I think it's very, very good, and I want you to read it and get it from here down to here. This is the Lord speaking to John. 
I usually cannot multiply back to my children the money they give me. I asked, why not, Lord? Your word says you will. I like this, John, I know what my word says. <laughs> However, I cannot multiply back any offering that is improperly given. Have we ever thought of that? That there's a right way and a wrong way? My children usually make two mistakes when they give to me. First, they seldom give the exact amount I tell them to give. John, tell my people I cannot multiply back to them that which they give in disobedience. And I'll give an example at the end to explain that maybe a little bit more. If I did, I would show honor to their disobedience. There is a second thing my people do that stops them from multiplying most of their offerings back to them. My children usually give without expecting anything specific. Get that, specific back in return. John, the multiplication of money back to the giver is a miracle. And my miracles operate by faith. When my people give without expecting anything back, they have not given in faith. He then repeated the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, John, remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is impossible to give to me in faith if you expect nothing in return. Right. Impossible. Tell my people it is all tell my people to follow always follow these two rules when they give. Number 1, always give the amount I tell them to give. Again, it's here coming to here this time. Always give expecting to receive their offering multiplied back to them. Tell them they must give their offerings in obedience and in faith. I thought that was excellent. <clears throat> the last one is uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. I, I listened to those CDs you got, Pastor, that you handed out four or five years ago, at least once a year. Uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. Uh, started out <clears throat> pastoring. And unfortunately, the churches he was pastoring believed in the poverty mentality. So there, he wasn't barely, maybe hard, he was hardly able to raise his family with what he was making pastoring. And then the Lord calls him out to be an evangelist, to go on the road. And he does. The first year he made less money than he was getting when he pastored. And he, he's to the point, he said, Lord... I can't keep doing this. This is not working. Right. What do I got to do? Well, when he asked, the Lord told him, number one, claim what you need. Be specific. Yeah. Heard that before? Yes. Number two, rebuke the devourer. Rebuke the devourer. Number three, tell the ministering spirits to bring it in, the angels to bring it in. The example I'll share with you is a couple had been saving and they, had a, they were building a house and they thought they were all set. But as most building projects go, they were all done except they had to pay for the cabinets. 
and it was a very large house. The cabinets were very expensive, and the builder had asked them, did they have the money for the cabinets? They're in church. The Holy Spirit talks to the husband, tells him to give so much. He goes forward and he gives a little bit. He comes back and he's standing by his wife and she can tell something's not right. So he goes forward again, gives a little more. Comes back and she can tell he's still not, not right. So he goes the third time, puts the amount in that the Holy Spirit had told him. Shortly thereafter, the builder waved all the cabinets, covered it himself. They didn't pay a thing on it. That's God. Amen? Amen. Okay. What did I... What was the homework two weeks ago? Anybody remember? <laughs> I told you to believe this is all about goals and visions. To come up with something that you couldn't do, you needed to be... To, to believe God for it, for it to come to pass. Okay. This starts out with Malachi 3.10. You, you know me when I take the offering, I use this a lot. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me. That's encircled in red, prove me. Now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's the point you're at right now. Are you going to put your faith into action and test God, prove God, to see if he can bring it about or not? He loves it. He loves it when you do that. You know why? Because he doesn't have any problem meeting it. And he's a good heavenly father. And he loves to do that. But you, as Pastor mentioned, as Jeannie mentioned, you've got to be moving. Yes. Or Sharon, I can't remember which one. But you've got to be moving for the Holy Spirit to direct you. If you're standing here and you're not moving, it's pretty hard for the Holy Spirit to get something to happen. You've got to prove the Lord. Okay. Uh, just some examples. You know, the men could be believing for that fishing boat or maybe that new used pickup or the new pickup or the ATV or the golf clubs or something. The women, I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe you're believing for that house instead of renting. If you can ever buy a house instead of renting, make sure you do it. Because of renting, you're not gaining anything other than 30 days to live there. Maybe you're believing for that new house. Maybe that kitchen remodel or clothes, jewelry. Maybe you've got a son or daughter getting married and you're believing for that expensive dress to wear during the wedding. And, of course, the shoes to go with it. <clears throat> the couple that's getting married shortly isn't here, are they? What about, there they are. I told them I was going to use them in this message. I've been looking for you all morning. <laughs> okay, the point is with the couple. 
they're going to get married, they're dreaming. Have you been to the bridal showers? Looking, dreaming. What about some of the other ones going to the home improvement? I got to go with my sister to the Phoenix football dome to a home show. Remember that? It's fun. You get the dream. But you, the, 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 key, the, the neat thing about a couple is the, the Bible tells us that when you have two that agree, then the Lord's in the middle of that. Amen. The power to believe with two is astronomical compared to one. And that's what you two have as you get married and like that. But dream big. Yeah. Dream big. Amen. Amen. Okay, next example. Gonna take me a second. You're gonna have to bear with me. I hope the ladies don't find it boring. Where'd the eraser go? All right, thank you. Uh, the men won't. Vroom, vroom. Okay? We gotta have fun in church. The, the Lord loves it. He loves making it come to pass. Okay. What it is, I'm going to go over the, I guess you would say, the Corvette story of my, in my life. And uh, a Corvette, for the ladies that aren't familiar with it, is made by General Motors. Chevy makes the Corvette. Uh, they started out with a C1. That one doesn't work very well. That's the second one that I've tried to use today. <laughs> C1, C2, C3, C4, C5, C6, C7. They are currently working on C8 for the Ones that are into that, you know, they have the fellas that are out with the cameras taking all the pictures and the cars are all in camouflage, etc. And they're all trying to figure out. Uh, they had hoped it would have been re, uh, released in Detroit. They've, rele they've put it off for six months. Uh, this one here started out in the 19, yeah, 1950s is the first C1. So, 1957, all right, I got somebody that... Help me through the message, buddy. <clears throat> okay. Got to lay the, the groundwork. The C4 started in 1983. The C5 was 1998. And then the C7 was 2014. Okay, so the first car that I had was the C4, uh, 1983. Oh boy, got the other stuff to write down. So, uh, I'd go to Florida with Jeannie to see her parents. Uh, I farm, I work very hard on the farm. It's very difficult to go to Florida and not do anything for a week. <laughs> so I happened to start looking for a Corvette. So then when I go to my sister, and after you've gone to the Grand Canyon so many times, you get tired of going to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> so you start looking for Corvettes. There's no better place to look for Corvettes than Florida, Arizona, or Southern California. 
no salt, no rough, etc. Okay. So, the first one that I started to believe for was this. Look what I put down. Uh, greater, well, boy. You can see I don't use this very often. Greater than five years old. Greater than 50,000 miles and half the price anew. Why did I do that? That's where my faith was at. And it made it really, this was before the internet, people. <laughs> you got the magazines, the Sunday paper. <laughs> and it was real easy to go through the ads for used Corvettes when you knew it needed to be over five years old. You didn't look at anything newer. And you looked at the miles. You knew it was going to be over 50,000 miles. And then the price would most likely be less than half, half the price anew. Okay, but that's where I was at roughly in 1988 when I was believing for that car. Let me just put down what I was believing for on the new one. This is, you can see from 83 to 2014, this is where my faith was at now. This is the third one, the, the 2014. Less than five years old. Less than 25,000 miles. Uh, half the price anew. And one owner. That's what I was believing for back in 2014. My faith had grown. And I'd made more money, too, that I had to spend to save for it. Amen? Okay. In believing for those, and in believing what you're believing for, you have to collect the information. You have to have a vision. You have to be very detail-oriented. Yes. And you have to see, well, and the other thing I did is I've had these over the years. As soon as I could, I'd go get the model, and I'd put that in front of me. So every single day, I see that, and I yes. thank God for it, and I believe God for it. No different than the, the tractors and the combines and, and all of that. But you have to have the vision. You have to see yourself driving it. You have to see yourself washing it. You have to see yourself putting the gas in it. No different than if you're believing for that house, mowing the lawn, doing the landscape. Come on. All of that. Nice. You need to see yourself do it. You're trying to get it from here down into your spirit to where you can believe for it. Okay, so believing for the Corvettes. Jeannie and I went to Hawaii for our 25th wedding anniversary. We were on a tour, going to see four islands. 
when we got there, I, I asked the tour guide, I said, I'd like to drive a Corvette for one day. He says, give me a couple days. So he figured it out, and he says, when you get to Kauai, call this number, and you can rent the Corvette for the day. How big an island is Kauai? Smaller than Gratiot County. It's 20 by 20, where Gratiot County is 24 miles by 24 miles. So we got there. We're right there. The first ones get the Corvette. We're in it. Uh, the islands are formed by a volcano, so you have a volcano in the center. And so on one side, it's a tropical rainforest. On the other, it's a desert as the, the, the winds come across with the rain. We drove it. We drove to the beach. We saw seals that that's the only place you can see them in the world is right there. They were out there that day. We hopped back in. We're driving down a road that is lined with trees that have been brought over from England. We drive by the places where they're... Uh, growing the orchids. We stopped for a few minutes. We drive by a sugarcane plantation. At that point, there were only two left. Today, there are none there. I got to talk to the owners. It was real obvious they weren't going to be in business much longer. We drove it. Uh, they actually have what they call a little Grand Canyon, and it's little compared to the Grand Canyon, but it's great driving up and down it with the Corvette. We got back right when he closed. He looked at the miles, <laughs> and he said, where have you been? <laughs> I thought, this is an island. <laughs> I haven't been too far. <laughs> we put on roughly three to four times what normally a couple would put on in the Corvette in a day. But we had fun. <laughs> but you have to do things like that to see yourself doing it. Yes. Another one was four years ago. We were in Las Vegas with Julie and her husband and uh, my cousins. We fly out Sunday or Monday morning early. We get to the airport. They cancel. Can't land in Grand Rapids. So we end up getting another hotel, and Jeannie pulls out her computer, and she's got to do all of her grading and everything for CMU. And she's, In essence, she said, we'll see you tonight. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do here? I don't gamble, so <laughs> I thought, hey, you know, there's a NASCAR racetrack right here in Phoenix. Maybe I can go and drive what they refer to as exotic cars, which includes the Corvette, Lamborghini, whatever, on the racetrack. And not that I need to know how to go faster. I need to know how to be safer and how the car handles better. So I checked it all out. Unfortunately... The race was Sunday, and they couldn't do that until Wednesday because they had to clean everything up. But it's examples like that of where you're trying to put your faith into believing for something. Yes. Okay. Wow. 2014, I know that I'm going to be believing for that car in roughly five years. You go to the dealership in 2014 and you get the literature. Right. You read through it, front to back, back to front, I don't know how many times. It's fun. I was like a kid in a candy store. It's great fun. This is the picture right there. Now, I didn't bring the Corvette today, but that's the car right there. Didn't know it at the time. 
In the back of the literature, there are all the options. As I said, I was a kid in the candy store. You'll, if you can see it, I checked, checked the ones that I wanted on that car. And like that, I got the model to have it in front of me. Okay. I put it on the shelf because I knew it was going to be about five years before that time frame happened. So we come to 2017. The Holy Spirit lets me know I got to sow a seed. What kind of seed do you think I needed to sow? I needed to sow the other Corvette that I had. Was it easy? No. I don't love the Corvette. I do like to drive them, but I do not love them. We love people and we love God. Finally, I said, okay. <laughs> Who are you going to give it to? That's not easy. So again, Holy Spirit, praying, who do you give it to? The neat thing was, I had two young gentlemen that a year or so before I had them in the car, and they were actually able to drive it. And at that point, they were believing for a Corvette. I didn't know that. But the Holy Spirit did. The thing about this is, so I proceed to get the, I, I perceived to have it detailed. I wanted the car. When you give something, give it in the best shape yes. that you possibly yes. can give it. Yes. I was having it detailed, and the, the detailer said, what are you going to do with the car? I said, well, I'm giving it away. He, he says, uh, wh what? <laughs> I said, I'm giving it away. He says, man, that is fantastic. And I had another fellow say the same thing when he knew what I was doing. The sad thing is, I had Christians that told me that is a stupid idea. Right. Why would you ever do right. that? Come on. They didn't understand it. Right. You pray for them. Right. The neat thing about it is in giving it, that was more fun for Jeannie and me to give that car away than it was when we went to pick the new one up. So if you ever get a chance, give something away. And I used this two weeks ago. The highest form of love is giving. And I used John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. But that was neat in order to give that away. The neat thing about that is, is the one story that I've been told is they pulled into the gas station and they got out to put gas in it, and a fellow says, man, you got a great dad. He let you drive his Corvette? And they said, uh, no, the Lord gave it to us. Uh, what? Yeah, it was given to us, and they got to share the gospel. It's a ripple effect, and you'll see that more in just a minute. So that was 2017. So now we get to 2018. Still believing for it. I don't see it, but I'm still believing for it. Setting at the kitchen table. I know right where I was setting at the kitchen table. It's late winter, 
And the Holy Spirit lets me know that it's time to start looking. And the other thing the Holy Spirit tells me is it will take place on the busiest day in the spring that you'll have. Well, I knew at that point it was going to be May, most likely, because March and April, it's kind of easy to be planting sugar beets. It's kind of slow. But when you hit May, everybody's working 100% as fast and as hard as you can. So what that told me is, is when the opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. So I had to be prepared ahead of time. So what did I do? I started to look at the cars. I started to get numbers, the VIN numbers. I got to the point that I could see a VIN number and I would know with the the letters that were in the VIN number, was it close or not? Because I didn't have time to waste to be checking on something that wasn't close. So you look at the VIN numbers. You look at the car facts when you get one that's close to know what it is. You look at all the different options. You look at the owner's information. Oh, yes, and eBay is great. You can get a used Corvette manual that you can read through it before you get the vehicle. It's really neat. I read through it a lot. <laughs> Again, putting your faith into action. But you have to, you look at the build codes. Okay. So, remember all of the nice little checks that I had made in the back of the brochure? Yes. So, I came across the statistics for the 2014 Corvette. I don't know if they do it on their other cars, but every year after the model year is run, GM puts out all the statistics. It's pages long that breaks down how many cars were made, whether they were convertible or coupe, whether they were a Z51, on and on and on. Okay, in that year, there was 37,288 made. The neat thing is you can take this, <clears throat> and I correlated it over to my little red checks. That's what it came out to right there. First of all, there were 37,000 made, but I wanted the Z51, only 15,000 made. I wanted the performance exhaust. Remember, five more horsepower and the noise? 13,900 made. The magnetic ride suspension, 9,000. Six-speed automatic, 8,000. Caliper red, 7. Transparent roof, 3,000. Torch red, 3,000. The wheels for the Z51, 2,000. One thing I wanted for Jeannie were the seats. She really liked the seats in the other Corvette. So I knew I didn't dare get less seats in this one. The problem was there was only 1,574 with that seat in them made that year. And then I wanted the black interior, 1,142. The chances of that car are 1 in 131,000. 
if I would have known that five years before, I don't know if my faith would have been to this point. My faith is to this point because I've already given the other one away. (laughs) There's no going back now, baby. (laughs) So I'd ran all the options. There was one that was close in Chicago, but it had red interior. There was another one that was in Montana. It had everything except what? The seats. You got it. Lord, what do I do? Again, the Holy Spirit. He says, you can get that. He says, it's your money. You can get it if you want to. It's no problem. But if you wait, I've got something better for you. Okay, you put yourself down again. Say, yes, Lord. Month later, it comes up. It's in western Montana. The other story that goes with this, it was right at the dealership, the town, is Kalispell. It's right at Glacier National Park. Jeannie and I had been there four years before. Her cousin lives two and a half miles away, two and a half hours away in uh, northern Idaho, and we were there. And the interesting thing was, I can still remember it today, as we're coming down the mountain, this is a mountain where he doesn't have water he gets it out of the stream he has the stream generate his electricity but you can see Canada you're way up there and as we're coming down we see the mother and the three cub bears and Jean and I kind of say to each other man it'd be neat to get back here to see Jeffrey in the future again and that's where the car is is two and a half hours away from where we had said that four years before that's God So, this is a Thursday or Friday. I run the VIN numbers, you run the car facts, you run the build codes. It has everything, everything exactly as what had been checked. It's five years old. It's got 9,000 miles on it. It's a one owner. It was a tad over half because of the miles. But it was, you can't get anything more on the car. It was at a GM Cadillac Buick dealership. And so Monday morning comes. I'm planting corn for a neighbor, a mile-long field. The next field is three-quarters of a mile long. I'm planting 70 acres per hour as I go across that field. The problem is I'm setting at the end of the field. You can see the black clouds coming. You can look at the radar, and it's going to be raining in two hours. But they can't get the field worked ahead of me fast enough with two tractors. So I'm sitting there waiting. I've greased it. I've checked everything. I don't know how many times. The phone rings. The salesman says, you want it? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I said, I got a problem, though. I said, I can't get there for two to three months. I said, do you have a place that you can put it? He says, just a minute. And after being there, he walked over to the sales manager, and the sales manager told him, and he comes back, and he's kind of laughing. And I thought, that's funny. 
He says, the sales manager says it's going to stay right here on the showroom floor until you come and get it whenever that is. I hadn't seen it other than a picture. So it, you always are wondering, you know, what is the condition of that car? Well, I didn't have to worry with it sitting on the showroom floor. Right. Amen. Yeah. Now, that's God. God's good all the time. Amen. All the glory goes to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I just did my part. Right. Exactly. The neat thing about that is... That car was made in 2014, and God knew it. Yeah. God knows you before the worlds were formed. He knows you in your mother's womb before you're knit together. He knows all about you, and I talked about it two weeks ago, what path you're going to be on, but he knows all about it. It's nothing for him to make that happen and to bring it about. The neat thing about the car is when people ask about the car, I give them this book and I give them a New Testament yes. Bible. And you're able to share the gospel with them of how good God is. Right. So far, I've given away 35 of these. I've got 20 more here. You're more than welcome to get one today. But if you get it, read it. Yes. Do not take it home and just put it on the shelf because the people that I give them to, it changes their lives. Come on. The neat thing about it is this New Testament is a Gideon New Testament. I received one of these when I was in elementary school. They could come into the school and give these out. You can't now. Right. Another story about it is a, a fellow that I've known for only about a year and a half. He heard the story and I gave him the book. He had actually gotten one of these when he was in school, uh, a Christian, but he'd never heard about the prosperity message. He went home. He read a chapter, a chapter a night. Finally, after a week, his wife says, what are you reading? You do not read books. You're into that book every single night reading that. And he shared with her what was happening. And he's been on fire ever since. I will be in other towns in the county, and I'll have somebody come up and say, so-and-so's told me about your car. It's, told me. it's a ripple effect. It's unbelievable what can happen. But that's God. God is a good God. He will do the same for you. He's no respecter of persons. That's the end of it for today. I will share one more week next week, and it's, the title of it is, the, the Holy Spirit gave me this yesterday, is we win if we don't quit. We don't quit. And that's the key. I could have quit any time in that, and it wouldn't have happened. Right. So if uh, the, there'll be some leadership up front, if any of you would like to be prayed for, if any of you would, would have liked to accept Jesus Christ, if you want any questions, you know, you're more than welcome to come forward. <laughs> Hi, good to see you, Heather. Hi. Um, 
You see all kinds of people whenever you stand up here, Mark. Amen. Um, but Rich and I were kind of laughing, chuckling between ourselves because, you know, two years ago we bought a house, or a year and a half ago we bought a, a farm, our dream farm. But, you know, as he was talking about these little tractors and up to how many wheels? How, I mean, I know it's got a whatever that thing Tracks. is. Tracks. Tracks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this thing here only has t four wheels. That thing there has... Well, the tracks, and tracks. then you have this one that has um, yeah. so, 12 wheels. You know, but the <laughs> point is, is that, you know, we, we learned many years ago after we were married to write the vision, make it plain. So we didn't start believing God for a farm 37 years ago. We started believing God for a microwave. Right. And what I would do is back then... I would get out the Sears catalog, and I would cut pictures out of a microwave, and we put it on our refrigerator, because you want to put it somewhere where you visit often. Yeah. And not that I was eating a lot, but I was the main cook, so I was in the refrigerator a lot. God provided a microwave. Then our kids wanted a swing set, and so I went to the Sears catalog once again, and I cut out a swing set, and God provided the way for us to get a swing set. My point is, is that we went from this little tractor on up to putting these two together, and today we're living in our dream farm. Now, the mistake, and Mark made it so well, you want, what we want to do, we've never tithed, we've never given offerings, we're not consistent, we don't come to church, we don't fellowship, we don't, but we want this. We want this. And God is saying, okay, this is where you're at right here. Let's see how faithful you're going to be with this. And that includes that if you're wanting a new car and the one that you have has McDonald's wrappings in the back seat and all kinds of and pop bottles everywhere and it's dirty, it's filthy, it's, you can't even see out the window, uh, you need to clean it up so that God can see that you're faithful and he's going to move you on up. And even in your home. In your home, if, if, if you can't keep it clean, if you can't keep a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment clean, how can you expect God to bless you and move you on up to a three-bedroom, two-bath, full-size kitchen, nice-size living room, nice-size dining room? If you're not going to be faithful and little, how can he make you ruler over much? So just a word of encouragement, just because, you're, you know, you're listening to this testimony about this awesome vehicle, you know, woohoo, yay, Mark. Yep. But the thing is, this can also, the principle is the same. Yeah, God is no respecter of people. Right. The principle is the same. It works every time. Yeah. It's a law. Jeannie talked about it last week. Mark talked about it the week before. It's a law. It's a principle that works. If you're going to work it, then it will work for you. And, and it's not about that you're getting stuff. It's about God showing his favor and his grace and his mercy on you. Why? Mark's been able to be a witness, been able to hand out Bibles to people, been able to show people, listen, this stuff works, and God can be gracious and merciful and show favor to you also if you will do the plan. And so just a word of encouragement this morning. You know, your assignment should be this week. You know, Richard looked at me. He says, Sharon, 
Because, I mean, our house is beautiful, it's great, but the one thing that wasn't done was the kitchen. The kitchen is not remodeled. I left a beautiful kitchen in Breckenridge. I miss my kitchen, but not enough to stay there. So, <laughs> so you know, Richard looked at me and he says, you know, you better get your pictures out. You better start believing. You better get your faith out there. And, and I kept saying, Mark, I kept saying to myself, well, I will when. I'll do that when. But see, that's me doing the possible. If we're believing that God is a limitless God this year, then that's my impossible. That's our impossible that we're getting that kitchen remodeled. And so, so your assignment this week, what, are you, what is your impossible that you're believing God for? You know, while I'm making $10,000 this year, I want to make $2 million this year. Is that, is that where you are? I mean, are you capable of doing that? Are you able to do that? I mean, I mean obviously, we're believing God for the impossible, but do you have the knowledge to be able to do that? Do you have the weather for all to be able to do that? So what is it the impossible that you are believing God for? And then cut out pictures. If it's that ideal job that you're wanting, Cut out a picture. You know, Richard and I would drive by that, by that farm, and I could see, I mean, it was so inbred in me from visualizing us living in that house, us living on that farm, that when the first offer that we gave her came back and she said no, or when, they, when the realtor came to our house and said, well, you can only get this amount out of it, my heart sank, I cried, I was like, it's the, okay, we're done. But God, God knew. He knew the right timing. He knew the right place. He knew where we needed to be. Because it, I had that so inside me that I could see where everything was going to go. I saw where everything was going to be. So much so that when the guys delivered or, you know, helped us unpack, right, Jacob? Right, Caleb, uh, um, Gabe? You guys knew, Michael? You guys knew where stuff was going because I had already visualized it and seen it. So write the vision. Get out, don't just write it out, but get out pictures. You know, go buy a, go buy a model of the car that you're believing God for. You know, cut out a, a, go get a model of a house that you're believing God for. Get a model of a kitchen that you're believing God for. Put it out there. See it. Write the, get you some scriptures to back up what it is that you're believing for. If you don't know scriptures, like Mark said, we're going to be up here. You know, the leaders are going to come now and stand up here now. Elders, now. Move. Now. <laughs> They're so obedient. <laughs>